So if, if you want to bring it up again, we'll yeah, start yeah, now. That topic's and, fine, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. You guys do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome to Arms Link Leadership Podcast. This is episode four. I'm here with Derek and Chris and Rick, and I'm Christopher. Um, welcome to our show. Um, we've really enjoyed the last couple of episodes, and um, we're going to start uh, with um, Chris. So, Chris, what are you reading? Good morning. <laughs> mm. Always reading. So I picked up an old book uh, by Les Brown. It's from the, I want to say the 80s, early 80s, Power of Purpose. Uh, it's, it's a book I've always wanted to read, uh, just kind of compiling a lot of his speeches is re really what it is. It's not even a book. It's really about, it's recordings of him speaking to audiences live. And, but it includes a lot of great principles to live by. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the things I always loved about Les, the big one to me is believing you can achieve something. Just his, he, I think he wrote a whole another book just called It's Possible. And that's about leave, leave, living your dream and, and believing whatever you want to do, it's possible. Yeah. And he shares a great ex a story about uh, with Roger Bannister, the, the four-minute mile uh, guy. Mm -hmm. And he was bringing that up how... No one could do it. No one could do it. Everyone said it was impossible. This yeah. is not, you can't do it. It can't physically be done. Impossible. Yeah, it's physically impossible for a human to run that fast. Yeah. And he broke the barrier. And then all of a sudden, tens of thousands, it's almost today, I think, I don't want to say a requirement, but it's like, you know, not a big deal. But little high school kids were breaking this back. This is back when he was, uh, you know, in the 80s. So this is, you know, who knows? I don't know what it is now, what's happening, but... His point was, once the barrier was broken, and everyone said, well, he did it, I can do it. Yeah. Once you do that, now you're stepping into a different realm of, you know, it's possible. Yeah. This person was a speaker, well, I can be a speaker. This person read a hedge fund, I can run a hedge fund. This person's an astronaut, I can be an astronaut. Yeah. And that's huge, I mean, to me, because it's important because that's the first step. You can't do anything if you don't believe you can do it. Right, so if you want to do something, you have to believe in it first. It has to be in your mind first. I think we talked about that in uh, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. He had a vision, he had a desire that he wanted to achieve, and that was what really is the first step in achieving anything. Yeah, belief. It, it's really interesting because I learned about this pitcher for the San Diego Padres uh, yesterday. I, I learned about him, and it was in the 1960s, and he had never hit a home run. He was a great pitcher, never hit a home run. N not a good hitter. He said, I will never hit a home run until man lands on the moon, right? Mm. A man landed on the moon. 20 minutes later, he hit a home run, and it was the only home run he ever hit in his entire career. Usually pitchers hit a few home runs a year, but it was the only one. But somebody probably got in his head early on and was like, you're a pitcher. You don't hit home runs. You're not a good hitter. You're a good pitcher, but you're not a good hitter. And that was in his head because he had this belief, and he told everybody, like, as soon as, you know, we, a man uh, lands on the moon, you know, th that's how impossible it was for him to hit the home run. But it, I don't think it was a coincidence that it happened right after. And it probably had to do with here and belief. Just kind of like the belief of the four-minute mile. So I'm sorry, I just really wanted to interject that because it's like very, very similar and right in line. With like, if you believe you can, you can. If you believe you can't, then you can't. What was the barrier? 
four minutes to run a mile. Yeah. Yep. But but it really wasn't. That wasn't the barrier. Mm. It was in people's minds. Yeah. It really was. L a limiting belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so how, how many beliefs do you have that is limiting you from achieving what you want to achieve? Mm-hmm. To, it, a lot of it has to do with the mind's eye, right? It's, yeah. it's what's in your mind. It's living by faith uh, and believing that you can achieve something. There were two guys I remember. Uh, one of the stories was two people. They were going out looking for work. And one person, they, they went out, they filled out applications. They didn't get jobs. And one guy basically give up. He gives up. He's just like, there's no jobs out there. I'm not going out there anymore. And then he started hanging around with his other friends who, who didn't have jobs. And they were just yeah. kind of bantering back and forth on complaining mm -hmm. and just giving up, staying at home, drinking beer, watching TV all day, yeah. doing nothing to get better. Yeah. And then the other person, he finally, he just goes to a place and volunteers. He just comes in and says, hey, I don't want any money. I just want to come. I want to work. I want to stay busy. And... The supervisor said, well, yeah, come on in, but I'm not paying, you know, I'm not paying anything. Just don't get that in your head. It's like, fine. And after a while, a job opening comes up, and guess who gets it? He gets it because he's there. He's already there. He's volunteering. He's doing a great job. He's learning on the job yeah. as a volunteer, yeah. building relationships. I mean, you could, you know, the positive steps of being able to just show up at a job and learn things is, I mean, in people and all that. That's a huge difference uh, versus staying at home and devolving <laughs> into yeah. you know alcohol, drugs, or whatever else. Yeah. So there's a way he you know he just believed it was possible one day he was going to get a job. The other guy said it. He spoke it. There are no jobs. I'm never getting a job. Oof. When you speak that into the universe, what do you expect to get? Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of my great grandfather who's from Poland. His last name was Brzezinski, but he wanted to be an American so much that he changed his name to Bursing, kind of shortened it. And partly that was immigration. They were like, hey, no one's going to be able to pronounce that or spell it, so you need a shorter name. So they just kind of came up with it on the fly. So anyway, it was like Depression era, looking for a job, uh, got a job interview for like a liquor salesman. He didn't drink. He was an immigrant, probably had a, a decent accent, and there was some some um, discrimination against Poles, Polish people. And um, he went out for this job anyway, believing that he could get it. And he, uh, he bought some liquor, brought it to the interview, and sold it to the guy that was interviewing him. And he did such a great job selling the liquor to the guy that he hired him. But he didn't have a limiting belief that, I, you know, I'm an immigrant, I, you know, I don't drink. How can I relate to people, you know, to sell this this liquor? He believed that he could do it, and and he went out there and you know took a risk, and you know they saw that. So sometimes, you know, it, maybe eighty of the other guys were like, "Well, there's so many people interviewing. There's no way I'm going to get this." You know. Yeah, yeah. Limiting beliefs are pretty huge. Like. I think I may have even mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but when you're um, getting down on yourself or you're like, I'm not consistent enough, it's really you're in charge of defining your own reality, right? So if you think there's nothing out there, 
then that's how you're going to operate. Whereas if you think there is stuff out there, you're going to operate like there's stuff to go get. Yeah. But that applies internally as well. Like if you're like, oh, I'm too tired to run today or, you know, I'm not being consistent enough this week. I've only run a couple times or, yeah. you know, I don't have the time to do this. Well, then you're, you've already just pre-given up in your own head. Yeah. You know, but yeah. And it, it kind of reminded me what we were talking about before the podcast started too, which was, you know, the reality is you don't have control over what other people do at all. You, you literally have zero control over others' actions. The only control you have is, is how you respond to, you know, the, to the world around you. And so if you're looking around and all you see and you, you choose, you make the choice to be upset or be mad at yourself or be mad at others, and that's how you're choosing to live, you know, things are going to be tough for you. Yeah. Whereas if you look at the world around you and you see opportunity and you, and you choose to look at things a different way, that's where you have an opportunity to really like go out and make a difference, I feel like. I love how both of you guys are talking about belief, but then you're also talking about the action that goes along with it. Because a lot of people criticize authors like Les Brown and, and other authors where they talk to you about, you know, believe and achieve, and they, they have some kind of um, sayings that people kind of criticize or whatever. It's like, just because you believe it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You can't just sit there and believe and not, you know. But but the thing is, it has to start there, and then it goes to action. Obviously, you don't believe and you just sit there mm -hmm. and yeah. wait for it to happen. Yeah. You got to believe and then you do the action, right? Yeah, I'll give you a great example that's coming to mind right now. Because, uh, so when I started running, uh, uh, 20, I don't know, 14, 12, somewhere in there, I had never run more than a mile in my life. And I was 300 pounds. And I never, I literally said this. I said, I will never run a marathon. Mm. I actually looked, I was, was looking for something new to do with my wife, I was like, let's go do something for our anniversary, but let's do something healthy. We're, you know, we've been trying to, we're cleaning up our diet, we're doing some exercise, we've lost some weight, I don't want to ruin it with a vacation of, you know, yeah. bad stuff. And I looked at Disney, and Disney had these marathons, and I was like, well, that's something I'll never do. I'll never do the Disney marathon. And it, that struck me, that inner conversation, the inner dialogue, I caught it. And I was like, mm. how dare you say that? You caught it. Yeah, and that's key. You got to manage the inner dialogue. And so I decided we're going to do this. And at first, it was it was very hard to believe. Mm. But step one, I investigated it. I believed I could do it, so I went to the next step: learn. Wow, you don't have to run twenty miles every day. You just got to take two miles, and you work your way up to it. And I was like, oh, well, that's possible. So you had several limiting beliefs oh, a whole bunch. That, that stacked mm -hmm. up to equal that the very first thing that you caught, right? Yep. Like the, the limiting belief that you have to run 20 miles right. a day. Right. And then if you're a certain weight, you can't do it. Right. What else? Like, I don't know. I'd never done it before. Offensive mm -hmm. linemen don't. Yeah. You don't. Don't do that. There are no big people running marathons. So if mm -hmm. you look at Boston Marathon on TV, you don't see big people. They're yeah. usually skinny. They're, skinny. They're 100 pounds. Yeah. 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 Ethiopian or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Well, here's what's crazy is, you know, we started going, run three miles. Yeah. A couple weeks later, I'm running four miles. Yeah. Three days a week. The next one is, you know, you run 30 minutes, 30 minutes, then you get a long run. So it's the next week, five miles. Next week, six. And it just kept every mile that I accomplished was like, this is becoming more possible. So sometimes you got to take baby steps mm -hmm. in your, 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 your path, your journey, right? 
But to get back to your point, when I got to the marathon, we ran it. There were all kinds of big people. There were people out there. I was like, there's no way this person can run it. But, man, they're out there chugging it the whole time. I'm chasing them. I'm trying to catch them. I'm like, why am I having to chase this person? Yeah. I mean, they don't look like they've ever run. Yeah. They believed. They just believe they can do it. And just when you get out among people that are striving for the same thing, it opens up your world to what's possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good point too. It's like the community, the community experience at a big race like a marathon, you know, seeing so many other people from different walks of life, different body shapes, whatever, get something done. That's pretty that's like really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And I like what you said too about um it's hard to visualize if the end game's 26.2 miles and you're running 0 miles. It's hard to visualize the path, you know, to get there. And until you really start believing in yourself and like, you know, putting yourself out there, it's just not going to happen. But, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th I think that even like at moments I don't believe in myself, I, I get, you know, I have those thoughts. Like even when, you know, I'm trying to overcome like a limiting belief, I, I still have those thoughts and sometimes it gets really tough and I have to like dig in and, uh, you know, like I'm going to make some mistakes along the way and I got to be able to learn from those mistakes. You know, I think it is easy to criticize these people because it's hard to cover every aspect of what it really takes to, you know, to achieve something you're wanting to achieve. So, um, you know, uh, it, it takes it takes some effort. It takes some, um, you know, to keep trying. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like running a marathon is a really good example too. And I feel like just to go back just a little bit to what we were talking about, about being able to control yourself by defining your own reality, by defining your own success and thinking about others, it's, I feel like it's something addicts struggle with quite a bit too, right? So like you were mentioning like, oh, you know, devolving into drugs and all that stuff earlier. And, you know, one of the first things, I think the first step is just admitting that you have a problem, which is really close to just believing in yourself. You know, it's, it's a really similar thought process, right? Like you have to come to the realization, like, oh, I do have a problem, I can work on this, or oh, I can't run that far, or oh, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. But um, it's kind of like goes back to, we can really control our responses to other people. So, you know, addicts, one of the things they have to work with is, okay, I can't be around people who are drinking, right? That's like the first step. So it goes the same for your community, right? If you're trying to run a marathon and everybody around you is telling you no, you know, you kind of have to withdraw a little bit. But I think too, it plays a lot out today in social media. You know, there's a lot of anger and stuff and people out there who are kind of perpetually angry in today's society because they're, you know, feel like they're under attack all the time and they're in these angry spheres and these angry communities. Well, you're in control. So just take yourself off of Twitter or take yourself off of Facebook for a little while. Yeah. And just excluding that from your life, just that simple step, your quality of life is going to tenfold almost instantly. You know, you're, three days later, you're going to be like, wow, this is, the world around me is actually not that bad. It's just, it's just that one thing that I think is what people think, you know, yeah. or I think the world operates like this. So, Yeah, that segues into what I, I've been reading, which is uh, Don't Let the Enemy Have a Seat at Your Table by Louis Giglio. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure if I was going to add it to the list or not. And it's kind of kind of hard to get through. But 
part of it is there's just a lot, a lot of good information in it. <laughs> and um, he comes at you with a lot of stuff. But the, the title of the book is basically like kind of what you're saying. Like if you're around people that are say, reinforcing all these limiting beliefs or even giving mm -hmm. new limiting beliefs, basically you have an enemy at your table. Mm -hmm. And you don't want an enemy to be sitting at your table filling you with all these limiting beliefs and discouragements and, oh, no, you know, that, that idea just won't work. I, I, my cousin tried that, and it didn't work for them, so it's not going to work for you, right? Um, and they, they start to try to fill you with, like, fear and uncertainty and disbelief, um, distrust. And so you got to be conscious of, like, who you have at your table. Now, obviously, there's some family we can't get away from. However, we have a limiting belief that we can't get away from family, but sometimes it's necessary. And you see a lot of people throughout history that did separate from family and because they had something that they had to do, right? So Jesus had people knocking on the door saying, hey, who, who is this guy? He, he, he's just a carpenter. You know, he's he's our brother, or sister. You know, like he, he's our brother, he, son, whatever. He's like, what's he doing? You know, and he was like, he 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 knew that he didn't have to have anything to do with them, at least for a time. You know, mm -hmm. but a lot of times we're like, oh well, we gotta gotta let this person in, we gotta let per that person in. But you know, a lot of times, I mean, I hate to say it, but like abuse and stuff. For kids, it comes from family members a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you gotta like really keep family members away. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that kind of took it kind of extreme real quick, but that that can be life changing for a kid. So y you can't always be like, oh well, we have to do this. You don't have to, you know. Right. I think it's uh, we operate in extremes. It's like. I'm going to surround myself with the five you know, most successful people, mm -hmm. and I'm going to cut everybody off. We don't have to do that. Right, yeah. Just manage it. Yeah. Like I, I have family members that uh, kind of put me in a bad spot sometimes, mm -hmm. but not all the time. Right. We can go do certain things and do not do other things. Right. And, and everything works fine. Right. So, I mean, it can be managed up and down to the levels based on circumstances. Yeah. Versus just going, cut off. Some people you need to cut off. Some people you don't need to cut off. You maybe just need to limit the time, and you know, and you can deal. You can raise time at other times. I mean, it, mm -hmm. you can manage this thing very flexibly. Is that a word? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> very flexible. It is now. Like yeah, <laughs> flexibly. That's a word now. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's true, and and we we do operate in extremes so much, with with, with diets, with exercise, with work. You know, it's like I'm either working seven days a week or trying to work two or three days a week. Like, it's either seven days a week or once I retire, then I'm not going to do anything, right? It's like from 100 miles an hour to zero miles an hour. It doesn't have to be, like like you said, like, it doesn't have to be so extreme and black and white. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can be successful. I mean, if you're patient, you can be successful without doing a 60 or an 80-hour work week. Yeah. You know? It'll, it'll take a little bit longer, but you can still get there yeah. with small, consistent efforts. And you might not lose your family along the way. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> get that work-life balance everybody wants. Yeah. 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 So, Rick, what are you reading? Reading You Can, You Will, 
uh, by Joel Osteen. Um, I've only gotten about 30 minutes into the book, and it's like eight principles, or I didn't call them principles, called them uh, necessary things for, I think, success. And um, his first one was um, to have a vision. Mm. And he emphasizes having the vision, uh, like, in your face. Um, you know, whatever it is, you know, you put pictures on the wall, um, you know, something, I don't know, tangible. Like, one couple had, like, uh, some diapers on the, on, like, their table, like, their office table, and they wanted to have children. Mm. So it was just always there. And um, <clears throat> I guess for me, I'm not, I, I have a few things that are, um, like, I do have a few pictures on the wall, but for me, I just, uh, I think, I think about it. Like I, whatever I'm trying to do, um, like for, uh, so, um, just being satisfied and content, that's what I'm working on right now. And I basically just listened to, um, I got a service that I found online that I, that I visit frequently and then, um, reading, uh, Ecclesiastes, uh, Philippians, listen to those quite a bit and even a few books but I just basically obsess over it I just I spend you know time with it daily maybe not daily but the majority of the, my days and I'll start on it early in the morning and I, I have it in my mind you know I'm always thinking about it and whenever I feel like I'm not content or um, I'm not satisfied with something um, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, manage myself and trying to be content. And um, so uh, for me, like, uh, I, like just, just working in general, like I had a bad attitude about it. Like uh, everything that I had to do, I was getting, uh, you know, I would get frustrated. And what I've been doing is instead of focusing on what I don't like about the work, I've been working on focusing on what I do like about the work, and that's been helping quite a bit. Yeah, I still have my days. Uh, sometimes, some days I just wake up. I, I wake up in this mood already. I'm like I'm not satisfied or I'm not content, and so those days I don't do so good. When the emotions are there, I don't do so good. I I like want to be mad. Like I'm, you know, I'm like I don't I don't want to be happy. I don't want to be content. I want to be uh, I don't want to be satisfied, and so those days are kind of a struggle. But uh, in general, you know, it's it's very doable. But it, it does take work, and it does not go my way uh, every day. And I don't do it every day, but I just continue, in general, to refresh. And you know, so I don't really like have like a vision in my face, but I am. It is in my head. You know, I'm working towards it. So, what would the visual form of that look like? The visual form of that look like? Yeah, of what's in your head. If you had to translate it into physical, you know, just uh, um, you know, just accepting things for what they are, and not getting, you know, frustrated, and mm -hmm. you know, um, I mean, that, that would be it. You know, I, I tend to. Uh, like you know, when I when I have expectations, those 
uh, tend to hijack me. So I try to just enjoy the work, hmm. don't expect anything. And then if something comes of it, if there's some fruit from it, you know, enjoy that. Um, you know, that's coming from uh, just what I've learned from Ecclesiastes. But, you know, really, that's it. Just being, just being content with whatever. Yeah. It's funny, I was thinking of Ecclesiastes when you said it. Yeah. Before you said Ecclesiastes, it sounded like you were describing it almost. It's good. Ecclesiastes is really good, but it's, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, for me, I, it depressed me because <laughs> the author, I don't know, I thought it was Solomon, but it's possibly not Solomon. Uh, it's the son of David, and he had more than uh, one son. And then there's actually two, uh, there's the son of David, and then there's actually somebody else that's talking as well. Mm -hmm. But they do a really good job of explaining how meaningless life is. Mm -hmm. that, that really, like, <laughs> messed with my head. That was depressing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but, so that was kind of the, I, I got over that for the most part, I think, but... You know, there's a lot of really good insight in there. Yeah. Yeah. So. I like the uh, example you gave with the diapers. You know, they were, I guess one of kids knows their, what they wanted to do. I uh, found, I don't know how this happened, but I love the beach. I love Destin, Florida, Gulf. And that is a place when I'm there sitting on the beach. Really, not even have to be on the beach, just sitting in the house by the beach with my family cooking the meal. But that whole thing makes me feel really content and relaxed and I just feel good. The last couple of times we've gone, it's, that's the way it's been. So I ran into this, it was, I don't know what is the name of it, sorry. But on Facebook, I came across this site where she does Destin. Yeah. And yesterday, I guess apparently what she, one thing she does every day is sunrise at Destin on the beach. So you can go to her page live and watch the sun rise mm. from her beach location. And there's, you know, storks and stuff and the calming ocean. And I just watched that for a minute. Give me, you know, five minutes and just kind of immerse myself in it to feel that like I'm actually there, what it feels like. And it just kind of melts a lot of the stress away. Mm. That's helped me a ton. And it just helps me kind of envision it's, it's more than a vision. It's more like I'm there. I'm like projecting myself that I'm there and what it feels like. And that helps me because, I mean, first of all, it puts me in the right mood. But then it also transfers me to my goals of what I want to achieve. So it gives me a boost of motivation because I want to be there whenever I want to be there. And to get there, you have to make a certain financial result happen. So it gives me motivation and a positive mindset at the same time. So it's, it's really good. I, I enjoy that um, practice. It's, it's a practice. Mm -hmm. It becomes a practice. So. Mm. Derek, what are you reading? I just finished uh, some book. Some book? <laughs> <laughs> um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, yeah. I just finished that. Yeah. Um, and I know we talked about this Monday, but there is a lot of stuff in that book to unpack. And I tend to get over, like if I see a list of things that I'm like, oh, I could change this, 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 and this, I'll, I'll just try to do it all at once, you know? Um, 
And then if that happens, then I'll maybe get like a little bit of analysis paralysis. And if I can't figure out the most efficient way to do it or like the right way to do it, I'll just tend to like be like, well, not doing that, you know, put the whole thing aside. Yeah. So I'd picked a few things that I want to work on to start. I actually printed out uh, essentially a summary of the 30 different, you know, techniques and, and principles that he has. But uh, one of my biggest issues has been just remembering people's names. You know, people like to hear their name and it's, you know, it's really important. It's, but I'll, I'll go five, six times meeting somebody and, you know, start, start saying, Hey bro, Hey buddy, what's going on? You know, <laughs> and it's become like an actual problem. There's a few people in my life that it's a, it's a problem. And I have to like, the next time I see them, I'm going to have to have somebody else say their name first and so I can like get, you know, um, so remembering names, that's like something I think I can start to work on without having to do like 50 things at once, you know, remembering names. Yeah. Um, that's a huge one. But, and then also the book, it just has so many great like points and different like, you know, um, anecdotes of different things that's worked for, you know, Carnegie and his life. And so it was a really powerful, powerful book. But I'm ready to get on to the next one because... You know, I have a feeling some of these things are going to come up again. You know, these are, it's, the book was written so long ago and it's kind of almost, I feel like foundational probably to a lot of the current books, like the themes tend to repeat. So yeah, you'll see things yeah. overlap. So I'm just picking a couple things that are really important to me that I want to change. And the other one was, um, complaining. I, I feel like I've been catching myself complaining a lot, you know, and it's like, I, I likened it the other day, but I likened it to like, when you can start to smell your own BO, that's how you know it's really bad. Because most, you know, if you smell a little bit, you're not going to notice, but other people will notice. So if you really smell yourself and you stink, like that means you really stink. <laughs> so if I notice that I'm complaining, that means I am complaining. You know, if I've become, if I'm complaining to the point where I'm self-aware <laughs> of it, <laughs> I mean, it's probably happening a lot more than I think it is. Yeah. Um, and so I've spent this past week really intentionally you know, trying to remember people's names in our Wednesday night Bible study group. Mm -hmm. um, I was missing like parts of it because I was like, John, John, <laughs> like in my head, you know, yeah. Matt, 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 just over and over Rob. But I remember all their names. Yeah. So I'll get more out of the next meeting because I don't have to keep doing that over and over. Yeah, I was, I was going <laughs> to ask you what method you use to remember the names. Wrote, yeah, wrote, just, I mean, repetition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, in high school, I was in drama club and so I like, I was in like a few plays and stuff and I did like some haunted houses and stuff like that, but there was always lines to remember and I would just, that's how I did it. Just wrote, mm -hmm. wrote memorization. Yeah. I don't know. Do it over and over again. Yeah. Eventually get it. And with names, I feel like, you know, if you do it enough, it just becomes, it's maybe different with like remembering a certain passage or I'm sure there's better techniques for that. But for names, that's what—that's the only real tool I've got in my toolbox. So <laughs> that's what you use. Yeah. Yeah, you start where you yeah. are yeah. with what you have, right? Yeah. I have a hammer and a lot of space for other stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It's, it's so funny because I had a this gym I go to. A lot of times we partner up with people we don't know, mm -hmm. and so this is like the ultimate nightmare of remembering names because. Maybe we partner one time, but I'll see this person for the next months, you know, yeah. 
and I only you met spent him like an time. hour with him. Yeah, and so usually, you, and it's loud. It's and you're you're sweating, you're tired. You don't have time to. It's just hard yeah. to remember their names. But one of the techniques I I learned from one of the books we read, which is coming for you, so you're, you're gonna love it. Mm-hmm. So his name's Tony. Hi, Tony. <laughs> if you're listening. But the, the way I remember people's name as Tony is Tony the Tiger. Mm. So when he said his name was Tony, I immediately saw a gigantic Tony the Tiger standing on top of him going, they're great, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so it was like cemented immediately. Yeah. That's his name, Tony. Yeah. I didn't catch his wife's name, but I got his name. <laughs> and, um, but I think the key to it was having that ready to go. Yeah. Like that's when if yeah. somebody says their name is Tony, I got Tony the Tiger ready to attach to them mm-hmm. yeah. in my head just from practicing that that method. So mm-hmm. it's, there's definitely techniques. It's like running the marathon. Yeah. yeah. It's, there, it's just like, I can't remember everybody's name. Well, yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. You got to believe it. And yeah. then go figure out, learn, how do these people do this? How does Bill Clinton remember? I don't know. I mean, I used to hear stories about him remembering just the whole room of people. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend from the gym that uh, he was in the military he ran into Bill Clinton once, was just talking to him, sharing him, like he was from Indiana, something, 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 something. It was like two years later, he was on the elevator, my friend, with like three or four other Marines, all in their Marine uniforms. Clinton gets on the elevator, sees him, and is like, hey, John, how's your wife in Indiana? It was like, mm. I mean, completely out of context. Mixed in with other people. Yeah. But he worked on it a lot. Like, there's stories, like, early on, like, he'd be at parties, and he'd be writing people's names down, and, like, he worked at it. Yeah. He worked at it. Yeah, I've heard those stories. So, like him or hate him, like, that's something he worked on, and Absolutely. it really, mm-hmm. really helped him to do well in his life. Yeah, and we go back to the same thing. If he can do it, <laughs> we can all do it. You can do it. Anybody can And do it's it. not like he was a genius smarter than everybody else. He, he believed that he could do it and he worked at it. Yeah. And so like, I, I feel like you're starting to remember people's names yeah. because you're, you're that limiting belief that you can't remember yes. names is yeah. starting to shift. Yep. Like, well, maybe I can. And that's usually mm-hmm. where I get to. I don't usually shift from like, I can't to I can. It's, it shifts from I can't to maybe I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I sit in maybe I can for long enough that I meet other people that are doing it. I learn some other techniques and then it shifts me to, I can. And then that's when more of the action starts happening. That's just mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. yeah. No, it was uh, shifting my mindset helped a lot because I will just straight up tell people I'm really bad with names. There's like an 80% chance I'm going to forget your name. And then I would. Yeah. But now so you I, I don't it into say, the universe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't say it anymore. I'm just like, I think like, the first time we there. met, you yeah. told me that. I say it to everybody. I, well, I don't, not I really hear that much. all the time, yeah. and it bugs me. I'm like, yeah. But I give it grace. I'm like, I use yeah. it the same way. It's yeah. just a matter of, I'm not horrible at names. I just need to learn how to remember names. Yeah. I used to say something similar. I'd be like, hey, I'm really bad with names. I'm great with faces. Mm-hmm. So I'll see you again and, and, and know who you are, but I won't know who you are, right? I, mm-hmm. I won't know what your name yeah. is, right? So that's why I used to say, which is very similar, but I don't do that anymore. I'm just like, Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a chance yeah. and try to remember yeah. their name and not preface this whole thing with "I'm gonna forget." Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm doing. I'm internal. I'm not saying anything out loud. I'm just internally like I'm really good at remembering names. Hey. Like I'll just like oh. think it to myself, and I'll be like, and then you know we're sitting around, and I, there's like there's like four new people, 
Yeah. Yeah, there's four new people. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm good at this. I'm going to figure this out. And I remember all, yeah. all of them. So. Awesome. We got Matt, John, Rob, and there was John. another John. Yeah, but he was—I don't think he was new, but he was like kind. I had forgotten his. He name. had been there yeah. like a year ago, but I had forgotten his name. <laughs> I'll tell you what's possible. Uh, I went to—I was reading the memory book that's on the list. I went to a meeting in Arkansas with a room, probably twenty people. I did not know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was crazy. About two people, and I—all I did, my mission when I woke up, I was like, I'm going to go to this meeting. I'm going to use this book what they told me to do mm-hmm. and I did it. And then I went after the, when the meeting was over, I went straight to the door and every, I greeted, I said goodbye to every single person with their name. Mm-hmm. And I was just like blown away. I couldn't believe I did it. Yeah. You know, it was just like, wow, this really works. The only problem was I stopped practicing it. And mm-hmm. so I'm relearning it. Yeah. That's the yeah. key is you gotta, you gotta learn this stuff and reuse it and keep using it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard. That's probably hard to do is being consistent. That's my problem. I, I have to be consistent with these things and just keep yeah. practicing. Well, I mean, like, like you were saying about Clinton, I mean, he, he made that his whole thing and he pretty successful became president. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, yeah. cause it kind of is about who, you know, not what, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you've graduated high school and you have like a decent head on your shoulders, you probably know enough to get by in most areas, right? Mm-hmm. But if you make it a mission to really remember people and genuinely connect with people, you know, that's what's going to show through because a lot of people don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a little bit of charisma, you can connect, and it's how you, it's how you get ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it's all the little things add up to mm-hmm. one big thing. Kind yeah. Of. But a lot of times people are just, the little things don't matter. Very self-focused. Mm-hmm. What can I get out of this situation? You know, yeah. did they offend me? You know, it, it's very, very self-inwardly focused in a negative way. You can be inwardly focused in a in a positive way of trying to work on these things, but it's in relation to people. Yeah, outside, right. We. Yeah. That's funny. We. I saw a funny little meme the other day, and it was like, now what's the magic words you say to get what you want? And then the person was like, please. And then it was like a cuts panel to the next one. It's like today, you know, like today's world. It's like, what's the magic word you say to get what you want? I'm offended. <laughs> because that's just what so many people fall into that trap. Like if you're perpetually offended, like you're not understanding just the basic fundamentals of existence, which is that, like we were saying before, you do not have control over other people's actions. It'd be great if everybody followed the golden rule and treated everybody the way that they should be treated, but they don't. And you don't have any control over that. So you can either let it eat you away inside and, you know, fall apart, or you can, you know, for lack of a better term, toughen up and, and figure it out, right? Um, Derek, I feel like you're attacking me right now. Oh, yes, you should be very <laughs> offended. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was directed at yeah. me. The key is to have no feelings. If you have no feelings, then you can't feel it. No, I'm, I'm, that's, don't, don't, that's bad advice. We need to do the Vulcan <laughs> method. Purge all feeling. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, stuff that, it deep down. Where yeah, deep. and that's pretty much the Vulcan thing, right? Have no feeling, but what they're really doing is they're pressing yeah. it down, and then it'd come out they'd later. Bust but, out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, well. It did come out. It did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It came out a few times. <laughs> yeah. And Spock's throwing Kirk all over the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Right. Are we all Star Trek? Are we going to go on Star Trek? <laughs> we just, let's start talking about Star Trek, right? <laughs> Maybe we should make a Star Trek podcast. A little off topic. Yeah. Probably get more listeners. Yeah. We probably would. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Star Trek leadership. 
yeah. lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be like, don't be like Kirk. <laughs> be like Picard. <laughs> I, I like hey, he has problems too. Yeah. <laughs> I just caused a really. If anybody sees this and sees that part, that's what's going to get. Comments. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I like Kirk. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. No, he's good. He yeah. he's got yeah. He's he got has, there's a lot of elements. You can like that them he all. Has. He's you don't got have to yeah. not like. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even if you rank him, that doesn't mean the guy at the bottom of the list was a bad captain. It yeah. just means that he wasn't well, the best. Yeah. I'm more of a wharf guy. Yeah. Yeah. Today is a good day to die. That's right. Yeah. I loved Worf. <laughs> yeah. Did you see him in the latest trailer? I didn't. For Picard, mm-hmm. he's he's gonna be coming back. Yes. Yeah. It, I, I I have to ruin it. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. Pause it, fast forward 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. but you guys are going to get it. Um, In the trailer, he comes in the transporter, and he's got Riker behind him, and Worf says, I've learned that violence is not the answer. I'm now a pacifist. And Riker's in the background, and they're about to teleport to somewhere, and Riker's like, we're all going (laughs) to (laughs) die. Sounds about right. That's pretty funny. funny. Yeah. That's great. So, um, any other thoughts on on the books on Star Trek? All right, well, um, no. <laughs> well, I did want to touch. I did want to go back to complaining because I I know that's been kind of killing me. Yeah. And I feel like yeah, a lot of things are really closely related, like complaining, and then also like thinking you can't do something. They kind of fill similar areas of the mind, and they're really similar in like tone and emotion. So, one thing that I struggle with that I have struggled with, that I will no longer be struggling with because I've changed my mindset, is if I can't figure out the correct order to do something in, or let me me rephrase, if I figure out the correct order to do something in or the most efficient way to do something, and I'm not capable of doing it that way in the moment, then I don't start the project. Mm. So like my living room floor has been completely unfinished for a while now because I wanted to texture the ceiling first. And to texture the ceiling, I had to, and, and there was all this backwards planning that essentially was like, well, I don't have the tool to do the first thing on that list, which means I can't do this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and, and I would find myself complaining about it. Like, well, my stuff's, I'm just, I don't have the time to get it done. I don't. And the reality is I do have the time to get it done if I'm willing to do it in random order. And maybe it isn't the most efficient. Maybe I have to buy a little bit of extra painter's tape and some drop gloss when I do the ceiling because now I can't just have globs of, you know, drywall mud and texture fall on the floor because it's nice now. But that doesn't mean I can't start. Yeah. And that's ownership. Yeah. You're, you're deciding yeah. to move forward. Yeah. And my son is a great example of this. If he gets up before his sister, we're good. Mm-hmm. But if he gets up afterward and the sister's in the bathroom and she takes forever, mm-hmm. it's over. Mm-hmm. Like, if I can't go into the bathroom and first brush my teeth, I cannot do anything else. Mm-hmm. Except sit down on the couch and look at my phone, and that makes me late. Mm-hmm. I'm like, son, you can go eat if you don't want to. You want to brush first? That's fine. Go put your clothes on, comb your hair, use my bathroom to do all the other stuff you got to do. Mm-hmm. Look for opportunities to do other things while you wait. You don't have to go to that bathroom at <laughs> this time to do mm-hmm. that first thing first. Yeah. Before you do everything else, yep. just dive in and go. Yep. Just dive in and go. Just do something because it'll all add up. That's why in this room, like, the order I'm doing stuff in is totally random. In the previous podcast, you've seen loose electrical death wires hanging from the ceiling because mm-hmm. 
the order I wanted to do things in. Which I wasn't yeah. sure if they were hot. So they I weren't hot. Yeah. I made sure they're like they're so <laughs> disconnected that it's not even like you yeah. could have the light switch on, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, whatever, I'm just gonna do it. Even though it's not the next thing, right? Yeah. It's something. It's yeah. a part of the puzzle. Right. And, yeah. and I need a complete puzzle for this to be done. I mean, we should have planning, but at some yeah. point you have to just go. Yeah. You just have to go and, yeah. and then you learn as you go. Yep. Just and then you can go the different different way. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I've what I've learned. I, I get yeah. stuck with that same problem mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah, and by shifting away from that, oh, uh, well, I can't get started. Whatever mindset, I found myself just complaining less in general mm -hmm. because there's not as much to complain about because I'm just doing things. And then I've kind of combined that with I'm trying to trigger myself every time I catch myself complaining. I just stop talking mid sentence and say like. You know, like the other day I was complaining about something that the kids did and I just stopped myself and I was like, you know what? I'm really grateful that I have happy, healthy kids. And that's it. And I don't have I just and move on. Just totally even if it sounds weird conversationally, if I'm talking to like my girlfriend or whatever, I just changed I'm just been changing the subject because I I cannot continue to <laughs> complain. I love it. I mean you're you're capturing the thought and, and taking action and mm -hmm. um I do that one. My favorite is, man, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. Man, I'm tired. Yeah. Then I immediately, I, when I catch it, I can go, man, I'm tired. No, you're not. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I will yell at myself yeah. verbally, out loud, like a weirdo. Yeah. Usually I'm in my car, so no one else knows it. But mm -hmm. I'm sure if you're looking at me from the other car, you're like, what's that guy doing? Yeah. But yeah. that's what is required mm -hmm. to get it through my thick skull to catch these thoughts because they're just floating around in there and they're the enemy. They're yeah. the enemy at the table. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The enemy's at the table Yeah. Mm -hmm. even though you can't see them. Even it's, though I'm the only one sitting here. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. For real. Yeah. Rick, what do you think, man? Um, I was thinking maybe like on the offended part, um, I like the understand first before being understood. Mm. Um, I'm not really that good at that, but I, I do like that. I think that has a lot of value to, you know, to ask questions mm -hmm. when you do get offended. And I think that's a good point. I'm going to interrupt that thought. Would you say ask questions when you do get offended? So yeah. sometimes we do get offended. Like we should, maybe we shouldn't be, but sometimes we do. You're humans. We are humans. And so to, to know what to do when that happens, like you said, I, I like that. That's all I'm saying. Is yeah, me too. Ask questions when, yeah. when you're offended. And it's okay yeah. to be offended. I mean, it's just, we are human. All right. Yeah. I, I like complaining, mm -hmm. too. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> but I try to avoid it because yeah. I can get drawn into it. Yeah. It's cathartic to complain. Like, it feels good. It does. Yeah. yeah. Instant gratification. Yeah. I think my big thing was I was complaining to my girlfriend and not a lot of other people. Yeah. So even if I'm going to continue to complain occasionally, it needs to be with the right people. So I, I go to counseling because mm -hmm. I feel like that's a really good, I can go once a week. Yeah. Verbally diarrhea all over my counselor, you know, and then move <laughs> on with my day and then I don't have to do it. You know, Is that expensive? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's free. Through, cross, through crossings. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It is free through yeah. crossings. If yeah. you go to crossings. Uh -huh. uh, mm -hmm. uh, 
just free cleanup call up there yeah if you live in the oklahoma city area and you go to crossings for six months and you're you know you keep a good track record of checking in when you go and you start yeah. to become a member of the community they have free counseling services yeah. like family and not, not i don't think they do i think they work with kids for liability reasons but couples premarital yeah they're licensed personal. counselors yeah. just like with yep. masters mfts real degrees mm -hmm. not just Oh, hey, so-and-so at the church is really good yeah. at talking to people, so we'll make I read a book. Counselor. I read the Bible eight times just this <laughs> right. past month alone. Yeah. No, no, it's a wow. real, They're licensed. The licensed clinical mm -hmm. social workers and yeah. MF, you know, masters of family therapy and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I think that we don't get it. Uh, pe people in general, we don't, there's a stigma attached to counseling, yeah. mm -hmm. and, which is totally wrong. It's mm -hmm. a great resource yeah. that everyone oh, yeah. needs. Everybody needs it. Uh, and it's it's underutilized. Yeah, starting's the hardest part. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I wouldn't. You know, my career background isn't very counseling friendly. You know, I'm mili I'm retired military, and yeah, they, our, there's our really Ranger, like stigma. Not, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, there's a stigma to it. Yeah, like you go to counseling, people start talking about even if it's just benign. Mm -hmm. You know, people start like giving you the eyebrow, like, yeah. do I need to take this guy's gun away? You know, but uh, well, you know, just it's like it's a for real stigma. Yeah. But you know, at a certain point, I was just like, you know, in my younger years, I was like, I gotta go. Like, it's yeah. this is, I need to talk to somebody. Yeah. And that was probably, man, over ten years ago now. But isn't it better just to complain and push those feelings? Yeah. Down no, really you can deep, stuff it deep. Really deep, so yeah. no one will ever see it. Yeah. And just keep stuffing. Yeah, it's like stay science. Away from people. Yeah. And really get angry. Just work yep. out really hard. <laughs> say serenity now. You have to say serenity, serenity now. now. Serenity exactly. now. Yeah. And drink when you really feel like bad. Lloyd Brown. Yeah. And then it'll kind of go away. Right? Drugs are good too. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is all sarcasm. That's all sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you know, and that's drugs come in when you, you've buried so many that it's coming out, and then you gotta. You have to find. Then you gotta let yeah. Find different addictions yeah. to. to <laughs> just to do. Just to cope. Yeah. 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 A lot of men will do that though. Just stuff it deep. Like that's the, that's kind of the go-to method. I don't know. I don't know what kids these days are doing, you know. But um, I know our generation was definitely the stuff it down deep generation. So wearing weird clothes. Yeah. <laughs> this this group is a therapy for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I I have something that I'm dealing with every day, and you know, and I'm trying to sort through that and talk through that, and then tomorrow I got something new I got to deal with because. You know, if you're you're moving in your life, it's endless. You know, you gotta, you gotta, I have to process, and I need to talk, you know, to somebody about what what I have on my mind, what fear I'm facing, what I'm insecure about, um, you know, what I'm I'm doing well, what what I'm what my victories are. I, I have to I have to process all that, and I, I have to. I, it works best whenever I just go ahead and mm -hmm. you know say, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. Get it out. Yeah. Yeah. I know lots of hedge funds have counselors on staff mm -hmm. with required meetings with their traders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just to get That's them smart, yeah. to keep their heads clear so they can make good decisions with a lot of money. Yeah. It's psychological, right? It is mm -hmm. total psychological. When you lose a trade, your ego is damaged yeah. mm -hmm. and you have to fix it. Or <laughs> Repair it, you know, yeah. go through that process, and counseling is a big piece of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely big piece of it. That's why I learned this uh, from a personal experience, but I always wondered, I was like, wow, 
why were people jumping out of buildings in a, in a Wall Street crash? I mean, it's yeah. just money, right? I mean, there's you have your family. Even if you have no money, yeah. I mean, you still have kids and a wife and yeah. grandkids to to be with. I mean, it's horrible. I totally get that. Yeah. But I'm not going to jump yeah, out how, a window. How come mm-hmm. it affects somebody so much that they jump out of a window? Right. And I, I couldn't figure that out. But I figured it out when I had I had a loss. I mean, I had a loss and... My ego was shattered to smithereens. And do research on ego, what happens when your ego mm-hmm. is shattered. That's why. These yeah. people's egos are completely shattered. Their identity is shattered. Their identity mm-hmm. is shattered. And they jump out of windows. It kills your confidence, too. Yeah, your confidence is completely destroyed. Yeah, I, I think that's key, too, the identity shattered. Because you build your identity around what you do a lot of times. And mm-hmm. in most jobs, it doesn't get completely shattered like it would as a trader. Because as a trader, you I mean you just like, oh, I'm a trader, blah blah blah, and then something like that happens, and you, you lose everything, and you're no longer a trader. Yeah, you know. Well, the key is you, well, have, maybe, to, you have to admit you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you lose a trade, you lose money. You have to admit you were wrong. Mm-hmm. Not just in the initial, but in the fact that you kept it going. You're, yeah. you're wrong multiple times along this step, mm-hmm. and you, and you you know you're paying the price for it. That's hard for people to do. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like sports psychology too. That's a, that's a huge thing. Like a lot of professional athletes, you know, get their first big loss or, you know, like if you're a boxer, you get knocked out for the first time or you lose your yeah. first fight in the cage or. Yeah. Cause some boxers yeah. go like 20 and 0, right? Yeah. And then. Or I, I remember reading something one. about like a kicker on a football team. He missed like two or three kicks in a row and he just like, that was a, you know, that's it. Mm. Your ego, like you're a kicker and you can't kick. And that's what you tell yourself. So I can imagine it's probably a really similar field because, you know, the market is pretty stressful. <laughs> so, yeah. Like it's people's livelihoods and it's like, you know, and if you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm a hedge fund manager and then you have a couple big losses and then you start that narrative shifts to, well, I'm not a very good hedge fund. If you allow, you know, if you start telling yourself that right. yeah. you need somebody, you know, to talk to or you need to be able to like pull yourself out of it. But yeah. Yeah, um, if you have a big ego and you like, you can you can blame you can blame, you know, it was the the, the market's fault or that company's fault or mm-hmm. you know whatever. But when you do, well, when you don't blame, you can figure out you can learn something from it. Yeah, from your uh, from your your mistake, like your bad trade, and then you can you know take what you learned right there and move on to the next bad trade. Mm-hmm. You know, however many it takes. <laughs> yeah. Like for me, you know, 20 something bad trades. Trying to trade an up market in a down market is not a good idea. But I've learned every way not to trade, you know, mm-hmm. in a, in a, a, a bear market. Mm-hmm. And, but um, yeah, like, like in, a, in football, which is something, you know, I, I like to watch, you can see, like when they start blaming the refs. Yeah. You know, getting frustrated with the rest. And you see it, like, spread, like, through the entire team. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's getting frustrated. Yeah. You know, they're, you know, somebody trying to blame somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you can look at some teams. When something happens, they go address it directly, you know, player to player. And they handle it. And then they move on. You know, they're not blaming, mm-hmm. you know, something they can't control. Right. Yeah. I, I think the last time I bet on sports was, like, in college. <laughs> And I was I, I I bet for Virginia Tech, and then they were losing, and then I bet for the other team, 
because they were like 21 points down. My team was 21 points down. And then they came back. And then <laughs> it was like I kept doing these inner game bets, and it was like I, I was betting against my own team. And it, 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 it hit me so hard afterwards. I was like, I cannot believe I did that. So I stopped doing it. But um, it's funny because talking about like people complaining, if you were betting, it'd be funny to see the statistics on like if you noticed uh, like this team complaining against a ref, if you did an inner game bet against that team, no matter how far ahead they were, how accurate that would be to the total outcome of the game or whatever, because I see that a lot. When you see one team really complaining against the refs, that's usually the team that's gonna lose. Mm -hmm. It's not because the refs are paid or against them, um, and they might be bad refs, but it really has to do with that belief thing, that limited belief that the refs are against us, there's no way we can win now, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Stoops used to always say, I mean, it, if it came down to one play or one call, mm -hmm. it didn't matter. It was always the same thing. Well, we should have been good enough to overcome that one play, you know, the one missed kick, yeah. the mm -hmm. one bad call, the one onside kick that the other team got. We shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. Yeah. yeah. We should have been playing better, and that shouldn't have mattered. We right. should have been able to absorb it. It shouldn't take just one bad call to. And that's huge. That's you've you've empowered yourself back again at that point. If you just blame the outside problems, you have no no power at all. Right. And I, yeah. I always get that. I, I see those things happen at the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Like my son, I hate these refs. You know, uh, and I'm like, well, son, they shouldn't. Have, they broke a rule. That's, that's why, you know, that's why they called holding. The guy was breaking a rule. It's on mm -hmm. them. It's not on the ref. Yeah. He's just calling what he saw. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, if you've ever tried to play a game without refs, it's not that fun. It's not yeah. that fun. It's worse. Yeah, it gets it's, out of hand. It gets mm -hmm. really out of hand because people get away with whatever they want. And then, mm -hmm. you know, these people are breaking the rules and those people are breaking the rules. And before you know it, you have no game. You just have a fight, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. But um, like every time I've ever played Monopoly, it <laughs> <laughs> just, just turns into a bloodbath. <laughs> the board gets knocked over. You know? um, maybe next episode we'll play uh, Monopoly yeah. for the show. Kind of fun. Have a game in the middle. Yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> it's very true to life, Monopoly. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Chris has a funny Monopoly story. We'll, I'll ask him to share one of these days. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to share it right now. <laughs> Um, I, I think we're running against time. So um, I appreciate you guys uh, and girls listening to this, watching it. Um, we will be back next week for episode five. And uh, please uh, give us five stars and uh, share it with your friends and family. We're getting close to 50 viewers now. I think we have about, I think last time I checked, we got cool. 39 like individual like new viewers separate viewers so wow that's pretty um, neat that's pretty cool mm -hmm. pretty cool um i feel like we're still very early and so that's mm -hmm. neat to see so um i appreciate everybody listening and appreciate you guys for coming and being here thank yeah you. thank you thanks man yeah, thank you thanks christopher i said thanks man <laughs> thanks derek <laughs> <laughs> thanks buddy yeah Thank guy, you, Chris. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I'll wind up coming up. Okay.